How to Play, Episode 45, Special Jack Vassal Memorial Fund Edition. Hello and welcome back to the How to Play podcast. This is your host, Ryan Sturm, coming to you from the How to Play studios in Western New York. The How to Play podcast is all about learning and teaching games. In each episode, I provide a full explanation to help you learn and learn to teach another great game. For more How to Play episodes, special episodes, teaching guides, our discussion forums, and to help support the show, visit our website at www.howtoplaypodcast.com. Also, be sure to visit our affiliated podcast on the Dice Tower Network at dicetowernetwork.com. Now let's get to today's episode. Hello, How to Play listeners. I am back with sort of a quasi-episode this time. Uh, I put in an entry for Tom Vassell's Jack Vassell Memorial Fund Auction. This is a charity event where people put things up for charity, and I put up to teach someone how to play a game. And luckily, someone someone bid a generous amount of money on this, and I taught them this game. The, the lucky winner was Tristan Ostrowski. The game he selected was Merchants and Marauders, and I asked if he would agree to let me record the conversation and put it out on my podcast as sort of a semi-official episode, and he agreed. So I, I hope you enjoy this. It's a little bit different than my standard episode. There won't be uh, sort of the instrumental breaks or maybe such polished editing. And, you know, I've, I've played this game actually one time, so I didn't actually nail in every exact rule but if you're looking for a guide on generally how to play this game how to get started with it and how to teach it i think this will provide a suitable guide if not up to um, the usual standards of how to play thank you very much tristan for allowing me to air this and and generously bidding to the jack vassal memorial fund and if you would like to donate to the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund, I'd encourage you to do that. It is to benefit gamers in need. It was started in memory of Tom Vassal's son, Jack Vassal. To find out more, go to www.jackvassal.org. You can find out all about it and donate there. But without further ado, here's my conversation with Tristan, teaching him how to play Merchants and Marauders. I hope it can be useful to you. So Merchant and Marauders, the first thing I would do with Merchants and Marauders is make sure you have people who sort of know what they're getting into because it's um, it's definitely a thematic buy-in game. Um, I don't know if you have other games like that or the people that you usually play with. Yeah, definitely. I think theme is the number one thing that drew me to it and that's sort of motivating me to, uh, to, to learn it and teach Good. it. Good. Yeah, I had, I know the time that I played it, I had a couple people who weren't I guess weren't aware that what they were getting into it's you know it's about an hour per player and it's um I mean it's it's kind of a 4 hour game that you can't take too seriously it's one of those kind of games cuz you know you can get 2 hours in and have your boat sink and kind of have to start almost from scratch so you need to have people who are who are kind of willing to go on that ride and and willing to let the dice you know sink their ship and that sort of thing so just be forewarned that that's the kind of game kind of game merchants and marauders is I, I don't know if you played the old Pirates PC game, but um, but it sort of vaguely reminded me of that, and that's part of what attracted me to this game. Great. Um, it is, I would say, on my how-to-play scale, I'll call it a, a black diamond. Um, it's not It's not really... The double black diamonds that, that I 
face are the ones where you set up and people teach you the rules and you still have no idea what you're supposed to do. In this game, it's pretty straightforward about what you're supposed to do. The complexity comes in. There's a lot of like little thematic rules to make sure that you execute everything right. You know, you get this bonus here or there might be a, a card that has special rules. And so you got to figure that out in the way that like thematic games can be complex. But as far as like Figuring out what you're to do, it's not too bad. So I would call it a a black diamond, not a double black diamond. Sounds good, and, and so I'm glad you're here to uh, to teach me <laughs> in that case. All right. So what you're trying to do in this game, you're the captain of a boat in the Caribbean, of uh, and your your background is one of the four powerful nations: Spain, France, uh, the Dutch, or the English. And you'll get a random card at the beginning of the game, giving you a character who has a nationality. Uh, some kind of special ability and you'll have a set of values for seamanship and leadership and, and various things like that. Um, it's called Merchants and Marauders because in this game, one of the really neat things about it is you're going to choose basically whether to be a merchant to try to pick up and sell goods or to be a marauder to go pick on those those little dweebs who are picking up and selling goods and board their ship and steal their stuff and, and sell it for gold. And the neat thing is you kind of can switch in between you get to choose right at the beginning and and you can you know switch midway through and you might do a little from column a a little bit of pickup deliver and a little bit of uh, raiding and, and pillaging so that's i think is one of the coolest part of the game and to start off with what's really nice is you got you have that pirate to start off with and usually they'll have a special ability or based on their four their four attributes you kind of it'll kind of lead you to one way or another and you also have to make a decision as far as what starting ship you want there are two starting ships and then later on in the game you can buy two big ships. And so the first thing you, you're going to do is, you know, you'll set up the board and all the pieces and everything, and you'll shuffle up those captains and, you know, you'll give those captains to people and they'll look at their special ability and, and maybe their seamanship because seamanship is really important for, for the pirates. And then you'll say, okay, do you think you're, your person is going to be more of a pirate. If so, then they need to be, they should take uh, one of the particular ships. It's the, uh, the, the sloop. The sloop is better for pirates because it's more maneuverable, but it doesn't carry as much cargo. And if they think their person is more of a merchant, because maybe they don't have a real piratey ability, then they're, they're going to pick the frig, uh, not the frigate, the flute the flute. And so everybody secretly decides, you know, they put them in their hands, the two different starting boats, because that's really sort of deciding their, their starting roles and what everybody is going to do at the beginning of the game. And they, they put the one they're going to be in their hand and then they all reveal at the same time. And not that you're even necessarily committed to that. If you pick a sloop, you can still, you know, buy and deliver goods, but it sort of sets you on a starting path, which is kind of nice in a game that's got as much going on as this, as this game. Make sense so far? Yeah, definitely. So it's sort, it's sort of vaguely reminding me of uh, of Eclipse a little bit, actually, like slightly less complex, perhaps, right now. Now, as you're describing it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it doesn't. You know, Eclipse. I guess Eclipse has that more implicitly. This game has it very explicitly in in that choice of the ship, right? As far as what you're going to do, are you going to go after people, or are you going to, uh, you know, just kind of explore and get science and stuff? Yeah, definitely. So the structure of the game is, um, you know, it's 
similar to a lot of games, there's a big stack of event cards. First of all, you're, you're starting stuff. I guess I should describe that. You're going to have, um, you know, your starting boat, depending on what boat you have, you're going to set up the, the cubes on the starting spaces for the different attributes of your boat, the mass and how many crew you have and how many cannons. Um, you're going to get 10 starting money, which you can use as your startup for buying goods or outfitting your ship. Um, you're going to get you're going to get a mission card and, and there's going to be actually there's going to be two mission cards out on the board and you'll also have a rumor card and these are all the missions and the rumors are different little quests that you can go after so those also give you sort of starting points on possible routes that you could you could go down but the structure of the game is there's a big pile of event cards and you're going to draw one of the event cards and it's going to do something. Um, it might bring an NPC boat onto the board that's going to you know, start moving and try to look for certain people. It might be a storm card. It might say uh, two certain nations are at war or something like that. But you'll read that and you'll do what it says. Uh, that also triggers um, movement for NPC boats that are out in the sea. Then every player is going to take three actions and, you know, you'll pick a starting player and that is not going to change throughout the whole game. So whoever your random start player is, you know, they'll sort of be in charge of flipping the event and then they'll take their three actions. Then the next player takes three actions, next player, three, three actions, fourth player, three actions, draw another event card. And you're going to cycle that until somebody wins, wins the game. The odd, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, just gonna ask really quickly in the setup. Um, in terms of what's secret on your boat, are is, are the missions and rumors secret? They are. They're, or... they're all uh, okay. face down, trying to get clear. There's like um, a couple different things. There's the rumors, and those are held in your hand. The missions, there are actually two that are kind of public, and so those get flipped up, and those will be placed in a particular location. And so you'll flip it in, and it'll say, you know, starts in you know, the Galapagos Islands. I don't remember what all the different islands are. And then someone will have to go there and try to do whatever whatever mission it, it wants you to do. So the missions, those are, are public things that people are going to go after. The rumors are sort of private missions that you're going to go after. Um, and, and missions are tied to locations, not to, not to people specifically. Right. Is that yep. right? Okay. And so the object of the game is to score 10 victory points. And you get a victory point every time you do something awesome. Um, there are a lot of different ways to get victory points. So uh, there's actually a victory point track. And most of them, when you score a, actually, I think they're called glory points when you do something awesome. The second way to get victory points is by stashing gold in your home port. Every 10 gold that you stash into, and you have this cool little cardboard treasure chest, every 10 little gold you stash into that is worth a victory point. And when you combine those, when someone gets to 10, they can declare victory. And so, for example, you might have achieved six of those glory points and you might have like stashed 43 gold in your treasure chest and then you can say I've won and then you reveal your treasure chest you show that you have 40 or more gold and then the game is over the uh, the ways to get the glory points are to by buying and, and selling goods if you you know if you sell the goods you're gonna get the money and you can stash that but also there are particular each location wants a particular type of good and if you go to an a location and you sell three of the goods that they want, that's an automatic victory point and you get you get one point on that glory track. 
if you kill a player or you kill an NPC boat, that scores you a victory point. If you buy a big boat, you start with um, the, the two smaller boats. And if you save up enough money and buy one of the two big boats, which are the frigate and the galleon, as soon as you buy your first one of those, that gives you a glory point. Um, you're going to be raiding. One of the ways you can get gold is to raid merchants. And if you raid them and get a really high score, which is uh, 12 or more gold, that gets you a victory point. Um, and those rumors and those missions are also worth victory points. I think that is that is the entire list. So basically, anytime you do something cool, you get a glory point and for every 10 gold stash. And your, your goal is to get accumulate a total of 10 of those and then you win. Make sense? Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, so now let's talk about what you do on your turn. So we said you, you draw an event card. And then everybody gets to take three actions. Uh, the actions that you can do in any combination are to move your boat. You are one boat, and you're going to be moving this around the Caribbean Sea. Um, you know, in the different locations are the islands. So you go out to the sea and go from sea location to sea location. Every time you move, for example, from going to the port to the sea location, that would be one action. So you get you get three total actions on your turn. So you could spend one turn going port to sea, sea to sea, sea to sea, and that would be your whole turn. Yeah. Right. And, and your fleet is limited to to one ship. Is is that right? Basically, you never have more than Correct. one. Correct. You're only you're only uh, going to be your your one pirate. On, you know, one your one captain on one ship. Um, when you buy a second ship, you trade in the other one. Um, much like uh, a lot of pickup and deliver games, you know, you'd think you'd be smart and say, hey, maybe I should buy a second boat, but that's just not allowed. Right, okay, got it. <laughs> uh, so, the, you know, the most basic action is move, and you can move three times on your turn, and that would be your whole turn. Sometimes you do that. But more often, you would probably move and then scout. Um, scout is when you look for either a another player, an NPC boat, which are brown or black, or you look for these these merchants. And the merchants in the game are represented by these little tiny cardboard circles. And at the start of the game, every sea location gets one of these little cardboard circles. And so if you are a pirate, what you'll probably want to do is, you know, a typical first turn would be to leave the port uh, to get out to the sea location and then to scout for that merchant. And the scout action actually includes raiding the merchant if you're successful. And then say you're successful, you're last action might be to go back to the port so you can you know sell off all your booty and then and then repeat that that process um, a merchant might the the third action you can do is to take a port action and what that does is lets you do all the different stuff you can imagine you would do at the port which would be to buy new things for your ship to repair your ship to recruit more crew to learn a rumor um uh, trade in your ship uh, most often the most often reason you want to go to the ports is so you can buy new goods, especially if you're the merchant, buy new goods, or if you have the goods to sell the goods that you have. So that's one of the actions. So a merchant might buy new goods is the first thing it, they do on their turn. Second turn, move, third turn, move, trying to go to that place where they're in demand so it can sell them, make money and repeat, and then maybe buy a bigger ship. So that's kind of uh, what they're trying to do to, to start off with. Um, so the move you can do, like I said, three times in the turn, the scout, you can only look for, uh, a particular target once on a turn. So let's say I want to find that, that merchant so I can go raid it. I move out there. I look for the ship. I fail. 
I can't look for it again. I mean, that's your that's your one shot. You could sit there and the right. next turn try to look for it um, a second time. Or if there was a, say there was a, another pirate there and you wanted to attack it that was in the same location, you could then as your third action, you know, scout for that other boat. But you can't just scout, scout, scout if you keep failing. You only get one try per turn. Right. And can you break up those actions? Like, can you scout, move, scout, move, scout? Yes. Yep. Scout, move, scout, or move, scout, move, or move, port, move, however you want to you wanna do the three different actions. So um, scouting, we should probably talk about how um, basically the, the skill checks work in the game. Because when you, when you scout, say, for that, that merchant, how it works is, I said, all the captains have attributes. One of the attributes, one of the most important ones, actually, is uh, is... Is it scouting or seamanship? I'm forgetting now. It is yeah. scout. Yeah, it's actually there's a scouting ability. Yeah. So that scouting number tells you how many dice you get to roll. The dice in the game are a little different. They have six sides. Uh, four of them are the normal one, two, three, and four. And the fives and sixes are replaced by skulls and crossbones. And when you make skill, skill checks, the numbers don't really matter. You're just trying to roll and trying to get the skulls and crossbones. So say you have a scouting ability of three. You pick up three dice. You roll them, and you have to get at least one skull and crossbones. If you get one or more, you succeed. If you get less than one, you you fail. And in, in some of the skill checks, you'll want to get multiple successes because that will mean multiple things and, and that will be good. But that's basically how any of the skill checks work. You pick up the number of dice equal to your attribute and you try to roll skulls. And basically, if you're a pirate, you want, it sounds like you want good scouting and uh, good uh, seamanship, perhaps, or maneuverability, or actually, I don't know all the abilities yet. <laughs> I believe there are four abil abilities. Um, the most important one for the, the pirate is the scouting because that's how you find ships. And if you don't find them, then you're going to be really frustrated. So if you have a low scouting, then you should probably go with one of the other, um, go with maybe a, more of a merchant strategy. So the other three abilities are seamanship. Uh, whenever you get into a fight, you're going to need seamanship, which is probably important for both because, you know, pirates, maybe more so for pirates, pirates might be doing a little bit more attacking. But seamanship is also important for for when you're defending because if you have a low seamanship it gives an edge to the other player uh, leadership is most important when somebody boards you you roll your leadership to see how well your crew does in the fight and influence is used when you get into the port and you're trying to you're trying to learn more rumors as well as trying to uh, recruit more crew Oh, actually, I think recruiting crew is leadership influence is when you're trying to get more rumors at the local tavern. So that's what the four different abilities are. Um, so that's scouting. You know, So typical first turn as a pirate, you know, you might leave the boat and then you would, you would try to do a merchant raid. So let's talk about how a merchant raid happens because those happen quite a bit in the game. Um, a lot of the pirates want to go and, and raid merchants because when you raid a merchant, you get gold and goods. You get to steal their goods for free, and then you can come back to a port and sell the goods, or you could stash the gold that you just got because every 10 gold is a victory point. When you do a merchant raid, you first of all, you have to do the scouting roll, and then you flip it over. You don't know what kind of a what nationality the merchant is, and that might be important uh, because when you raid a merchant ship, then you get a bounty on your head. And when you have a bounty on your head, that does a, a couple of things because you're wanted by the authorities. 
say you're wanted by Spain, you cannot go into Spanish ports anymore. Also, if uh, one of the Spanish boats randomly shows up with the event card, uh, they're going to start looking for you and try to kill you. So that's why the nationality is important. When you flip over that nationality chip, let's say it's uh, let's say it's France, you get to actually choose whether the boat is French, whatever's on the chip, or the location of whatever island you're on that's in that sea zone. Let's say the sea zone is Spanish. Then you would get to decide whether you wanted to uh, raid a French ship or a Spanish ship. And usually, I mean, the, the idea is you probably want to just be wanted and hated by one nation because if you get bounties on your head from all four nations, uh, one, you're not going to have anywhere to land your ship and, and repair and, and buy stuff. And two, all these boats are going to be coming to look for you to try to kill you. So that's kind of a fun little thematic thing is these bounties. So the first time I say, let's say I choose it to be a French ship. Once I decide to raid a, a French ship, I'm going to get one uh, French bounty. And there's a little bounty track on everybody's player board. So you're going to put a, a little French flag on there on the number one. And if I raid a another French ship, then it's going to go from the one to the two. Also, the more bounties you have, if players get rewards for killing you. So if you have a ton of bounties, it becomes very profitable for a player to come and, and try to kill you because they get a whole sack full of gold. Which is which is pretty fun, uh, but the uh, the merchant raids are pretty simple how they work. You are going to flip up. There's um there's a deck of cargo cards, and you're gonna flip up three of those cards, and then you're gonna make a skill check. I believe it is seamanship, but I'm just gonna double check here. Uh, the merchant raids. Yes, you're gonna roll your seamanship and see how many how many skull and crossbones that you got. Um, you're going to get to probably raid no matter what, unless they damage a part of your ship too heavily. But if you roll successes on your seamanship, you're going to be able to improve the, the amount that you're going to get to raid from them and possibly reduce the amount of damage that they're going to do. So say you had a seamanship of three, you try decide to raid this, uh, you decide to raid this boat and it's really just a chip on the board. So you flip three of the, three of the card goods cards. And what you're paying attention to mostly is the bottom of the card. There's a number and then there's a symbol. The number is how much gold you're going to get to steal from them. And the symbol is half of them are going to be hits to you. You're going to probably take some damage when you do a raid. And the other half is the flea symbol. The flea symbol isn't that bad because a lot of them have to show up in order for them to actually get away from you. Most of the time you're going to succeed. It's just a matter of uh, how much damage you're going to take. Um, so an example, actually the example from the rules, is we've got a hit to mast, a flea symbol, and a hit to cannons. So you are going to take one damage to your mast, one damage to your cannons. The flea symbol does nothing. The flea symbol only matters if there's enough of them that are equal to your seamanship. So there would need to be three of those boats, and if that happened, then they would get away and you would get nothing. The only other bad thing that can happen is if one of your levels gets reduced to zero, then the um, then the merchant raid fails and you get nothing. So here's where the the seamanship comes into play. So let's just say basic straight off the the bat. If that did succeed, you could manage to take that damage. There's a two, three, two. You would add those up. Your bounty, your booty from that would be seven gold. So you just get to take seven gold from the bank. In addition, there are those goods cards there. Um, there's spices, rum, and tobacco. There's a symbol on the top. And you can 
keep those, but you can only keep them up to your cargo space. If you chose to be a pirate, uh, it'd probably be two. And so you could take two of those and put them into your hold. And then you, when you go to the port, not only did you get seven bucks, but you can sell those cards for more money. So you're gonna get seven plus, goods are usually worth uh, three bucks a piece. So this this would be worth uh, seven, 10, 13 gold, your profitable raid, and you took one hit to the mast and cannons for your troubles. So not too bad. But if you get the, the successes on the seamanship, that's where uh, you're going to be able to improve that. For every success, you can add an additional card to your booty, or you can get rid of one of the cards you don't like there because, say, it has a hit on there. Or what you probably do instead is choose to exchange a card. So you could uh, say, I'm going to discard that and draw a new one, but that could be a risk because if you draw, say you drew a second mast and you only had two on your mast, you could be uh, possibly failing there. But ideally, you know, you want to add more cards to that because you're going to get more stuff. Or if you exchange them, maybe you want to get rid of one of the hits to hope to get one of those flea symbols so you don't take as much damage. In addition, uh, one of the big thing, the best things that can happen in a merchant raid is if your total is 12, just the numbers itself, not counting the cargo, is 12 or more, then that's immediately worth a, a glory point, one of the 10 you need to win the game, which is, which is excellent. So that's how the merchant raids work. You, you go out there, you flip it, you decide what the nationality is, you take the bounty, you flip up three cards, you decide if you're going to survive that, you roll the dice for your seamanship, and for any hits you can add cards or exchange them. And then you take the money, you can take the goods if you want. Uh, when you take the goods, if you already have stuff in your cargo, you can ditch down to choose the ones that you want because you probably want the ones that are in demand at, at places that are nearby because if they're in demand, they're worth six bucks instead of three. And then, you know, you'll say, woohoo, I got all their stuff and then go back to port probably repair you pay um, i think it's two or three bucks a piece to repair your ship sell your goods and do it all over again that's how the the raids work Got any it. questions on, on that uh no excellent all right um so that's what the pirates are going to be doing you know if they chose that sloop they'll head out there and they'll do that and then maybe they'll get enough money to buy the big ship or they'll they'll gun up their ship and maybe they'll go after one of those um you know they'll go at one of those mission cards or they'll go for one of the rumor cards the rumor cards are basically things like go to a certain location and make an influence check or something and if you succeed if you find out the rumor is true then you get a glory point Whenever you get a glory point, and so that's any way you get a victory point that isn't stashing your gold, then you go, there's actually a track on the board so everybody knows how many public um, public points they have, but they don't know how much is in their stash. That's, that's private. When you stash, you say, I'm stashing, but you don't have to say how much you're stashing. Uh, but whenever you go on that public track, there are there's a deck of glory cards, and you get one of those cards, and those give you different special abilities. Uh, they might be used during combat. You might uh, use them, you know, during other phases of the game. Basically, they say play this when, and they they might give you like an extra crew that gives you a special ability. They have all sorts of goodies on them. But yeah. whenever you get a point, you you take one of those glory cards. So that's the glory cards. Uh, let's see. What's next? What about being, uh, how about going to port? So let's say you're going to be a merchant. Um, one of the most important actions is the port action. When you are in port, you can do like seven different things and you can do them in any order, uh, except for if you're selling goods, you have to do that first. 
When you sell goods, each little location has a demand shit on it. And it that tells you, you know, what they really want. Anything else that's not the thing that is in demand sells for three dollars. Um, anything that's in demand sells for six dollars or six gold for each card. Um, when you buy them, and you can sell as much stuff as you want, you just have to do that first. So you couldn't, for example, um, buy goods in a port action and then sell the goods you just bought. They don't. They're onto that trick. Uh, they don't like that. Um, but I think you can actually sell it if you wait there and you want to sell it in the in um, a, a turn following that. You you could do that if you just you know hold on to those bananas and then sell it next turn. Then you can get away with that. Uh, but most of the time you're not going to make much money doing that unless uh, the goods the goods are in demand. And when you buy goods, uh, the goods that you take, you can't actually get the goods that are in demand there. So the, uh, okay. the first thing is you sell your goods and then you can buy goods. How buying goods works is you flip over six cards. This is the same deck of cargo cards you use for the merchant raids. And now you only care about the top of the cards, which tells you what kind of cards it is, spices or cocoa or rum. And normally the goods cards cost three bucks a piece. And so, you know, I just told you when you sell them, you get three. So if you buy them for three and you sell them for three, that's not very exciting. But when you pick them up, you're going to pick up six at a time and you're going to look at them secretly. If there are uh, doubles or triples, you get a discount representing that, you know, there's a lot of that stuff in the location. So if there is a pair of cocoa, for example, instead of $3, they cost $2 a piece. And if there's three or more of something, say there's three rum, they cost a buck a piece. And so that's the best thing that could happen is say you get three of a kind, then they're only a buck a piece. You, you spend $3 for three cards. And then, you know, hopefully rum is in demand in a place not too far away. You'll leave the port, you'll head over there and you can sell them for six bucks a piece and you bought them for a dollar a piece. And that's how the merchants make their money. I see. And then when do you actually reveal the, the goods that you've drawn? This is a funky thing that I, I actually don't really like this rule. I think they wanted to keep what your goods are secret to sort of hide the direction that you're going. But at the same time, he had to make sure that people weren't cheating and following the discount rule. So when, once you pick up your six cards, let's say you have that three of a kind and you want to buy the three rum, you you can pick someone. So basically you probably pick someone you don't think is going to come attack you. Most of the time, honestly, it doesn't matter. But you have to pick someone and you say, I'm buying three. I'm buying these three. Look, they're all the same. And you can't say what they are. And that's how it works to make sure that people are honest. Uh, but you get to hide it from some of the other players. I, and you can buy up to whatever you can afford right from what you've drawn except you can't buy it being in demand good right uh that when when the in demand comes you pick up the six and anything that's in demand you get to discard and draw back up to six and then when um you buy this is where what chip you have matters you can buy up to what you afford and your cargo the starting sloop which is like the pirate ship only has a cargo of two so the most you could take was actually two and if you right. had stuff in your cargo, you'd actually have to get rid of it or you'd probably sell it first um, because you can only hold two at a time. If you take the starting flute, you can actually hold four. And that's why it's the better merchant ship. So you can hold four of those and then you are uh, ready to go and you could go and try to sell those somewhere else. So, so Go ahead. 
Oh, sorry. I, I was just actually going to ask about the the sell action. Yep. Um, you you sell all at once, and you can sell multiples of the in demand good. But once you sell any in demand goods, you refresh the the in demand uh, good. Type. Right, you are satisfying that demand. So once you sell the rum, you sell as much as you want at six bucks a piece, and then there are eight. There's a few extra, and then you flush that one away, and you get a new random one, and you put it there. Got it. So yeah, that's how those those in demands change. It's actually kind of neat that those those in demands keep changing throughout the game. I like how that works. Every uh, location also has a little ship modification chit on it. It has some kind of special good piece of equipment that it sells, but you don't know what that is until you go there. Um, and so that's one of the other things you can you can do there is you can buy that special ship modification that's there. Uh, there's a little chart in the rules and also on the, um, I believe on your player aid of how much stuff costs when, when you buy things. Um, as far as the ships, one of the things you could do is you buy a new ship. The the big ships that are they give you a glory point and they're good. They cost thirty five bucks. You do get a trade in value of five for your your starting ship. So you gotta basically it's thirty bucks is what you're looking for to to upgrade to the the big ships, which have sort of an average value of three, whereas the starting ships sort of have an average value of two for all of their attributes. The other thing you're you're often gonna do is repair. And when you're at port, and so those things could have knocked you down, say your mass down um, two spots. Every spot you want to move your little cube back up. There's the five little tracks. If you want to move your cube back up, it costs two uh, $2 per space. And of course, you can't go beyond what the, what the maximum ability of your ship is. So if your ship's mass go to three, then the highest you can go is three. Um, the, the modifications, those are whatever that little bonus chip is there. Uh, those are those cost three bucks, so you could buy that. And then there's also these special weapon tokens, which are good for combat. Um, and you can you can buy those for three dollars as well. And, and can you remind me just looking at the, the ship um, values when when you when you do the merchant uh, when you attack the merchants and there's it says you know cannons or or hull or whatever is that a guaranteed hit on that? Uh, component when you roll I'm sorry I asked that question again uh, sorry when you're doing the uh, merchant raid yeah. and you draw the cards and, and you keep some that hit let's say hull and cannons yeah. are those guaranteed hits they are guaranteed hits the only way you can get rid of them is if you say you got one of your seamanship uh, one of your seamanship hits you can discard or exchange that card so that's where you want to be good in seamanship and roll a skull and crossbones so you can get rid of that and half the cards have those hits on it so and you're flipping three of them so I mean you should expect that you're going to take one to two random hits when you're when you're going to do a um, when you're going to do a merchant raid and some of the basic ones start with only one of something and so if they hit you in that critical area for example the the sloop only has one cannon. Actually, both ships only start with one cannon. If they hit you in the cannon area, that's going to automatically make your, your merchant raid fail unless you're able to get rid of that card, which you're going to want to do. Um, we were at buying stuff. Uh, one of the things you can buy is these special weapon tokens. Those are good in combat, which we'll get into the whole combat in a minute. But they also, you can use them during those merchant raids that we just talked about. If you need, you think you really need to um, get a hit on your your merchant raid, you can spend one of those those special weapons 
in order to um, turn it into an automatic success. So let's say you're going to you're going to fail. You're going to, you're getting hit in cannons and you got no successes. You could ditch one of those. These are the round tokens, um, like the grappling hook and the grape shot. Those cost three bucks at port. They're, they have special abilities in combat, but you can also ditch them to help you out of a bad situation in your merchant raid. Uh, so what else can you do at port? We've got buying ships. We've got buying goods. Um, we also have get new rumors. The rumors are these things where, you know, you have to go somewhere and get a skill check. And if you do it, then you get um, you get a victory point. You start with one of those at the beginning of the game. So if you want to get a new rumor, it costs two gold and you have to roll your influence. And if you are successful, then you get a rumor card. Um, if not, then then you just get nothing. And so normally what these rumors are, you have to go to a certain place, roll your influence or scouting to see if you can find something. And if you do, you get a point. Hooray. So you usually want one of those at, at all times, but you can only actually hold one. So if you want to get a new one, and maybe you might want to do that because one of them's super far away and it's going to take you like three turns to get there. You would get a new one and then and then after you drew drew the new one, you can get rid of one of them and put it back in the deck. So that's how the, the rumors work. The other thing uh, that you might do is to claim those missions. Remember, those are like public objectives. Um, they're going to show up in a random location. And so you need to go to a, a certain location. And generally, you'll need some sort of requirement. And if you meet the requirement, then then you'll get that, that public objective and you'll score a, a glory point. And so that's the missions. The last thing you might do there is to stash your gold. You can only stash your gold at your home base. You have a, a secret um, sand pile where you keep your treasure chest. You have to put it in, in the island where you were born or something. So when you uh, get your starting card, it has your, your home port, and that is where you will start the game. It is also where you're going to have to return to if you ever want to stash gold. And remember, every 10 gold is a point. And you're going to want to do that because if you ever, you know, if you start carrying around 20 or 30 gold and uh, something bad and nasty happens, like there's a storm or an NPC randomly shows up and decides to attack you or a player decides to be a jerk and attack you to take all your stuff and they succeed, then you're going to lose all of those victory points and you'll be very sad. Uh, when you stash, you can stash as much money as you want. Uh, you just have to tell everyone, I'm stashing, and you can keep it in your little secret hand, and then it's that cool little cardboard box, and then you you stick it in your cardboard box. Um, I believe you are allowed to look back in your cardboard box. So that's what you do in the port. Normally what you're doing in the port is you're if you're a pirate, you're repairing your ship, maybe buying more guns, maybe buying a new ship. If you're a merchant, you're going to sell the stuff that you got and then buy new stuff um, is, is the most thing that, that you're going to do. Maybe you'll get a new rumor and that's what you'll do uh, when you port and then go off to new, new and fun locations. So that's the basics of, of what the pirates and the the merchants do. And then the, the most important thing, of course, is combat. So let's talk about combat. Um, why would combat happen? It happens if, you know, a, one player might want to attack another player for a couple different reasons. If the person is a pirate and they have a lot of bounties, they receive um, a lot extra extra money. They can 
say, let's say they have three bounties from England, you can get uh, $5 per bounty that they have. Also, of course, you get to take all of their stuff, which if you know that they've just raided a whole bunch of uh, merchants, that would be very good. Or, of course, the reverse is true. The pirates might see that a merchant is, you know, got this big fat ship. They're all loaded with goods and gold and they want to uh, try to steal their stuff. Also, if you kill another player or NPC, you get a victory point. And most likely thing that, that might happen is on the event cards, these random NPC boats are going to show up. Like, here's the, the French captain. And he's going to look for any pirates that have uh, French bounties against them, and he's going to kill them. The other side that can happen is the random pirates will show up, and the pirates will look for anyone who is, is not a pi pirate who has gold and cargo on their ship because they want to go steal that. So once we have a combat established, in order to have a combat, it all starts with a scout action. So let's say I'm a pirate. I know you're a merchant. You got a ton of stuff on your boat. Um, first, I got to find you. And I do that just like the merchant raids. I say, I'm going to do a scout action. My seamanship is three. I roll it. I got to get at least one skull. If I do that, bang, we're having a battle. So in a battle, the first thing that happens is it, there's basically three steps. Both players declare what they're going to do. You have a seamanship role to see basically who who out, out navigates the other. And then, you know, based on the success of that role, we're going to have, you know, the players hurt each other. One will board the other or maybe one gets a chance to run away. The three choices when you attack is to either shoot, you know, your cannons at the other person to attempt to board them or to try to run away. In the first round, you have to imagine these ships are far away, so the only option for both players is to shoot. So you say, all right, it's combat, the first round, we're both going to shoot at each other. So then you make a seamanship check based on the captain. Say they both had seamanship of three, they would get three dice, and they would roll them. If the other player has uh, at least two higher, I believe it's maneuverability, uh, their their ship is more maneuverable. They get one extra die in this in this roll, and this roll is very important because it's going to decide how many hits that they do. So when you roll, say they both roll the three dice, you look at how many hits that they have. The winner of this gets to hit with all of their cannons, which at the beginning of the game is probably only one, but later after you get bigger ships, you might have three cannons, so you would get all three hits. How you determine who wins the seamanship role is you check who has more skulls. If there's a tie for number of skulls, you see um, the tiebreaker is the pips on the other dice. So let's say I had one skull, you had one skull, I had a five and a one, and you had a two and a three. So we're tied on skulls. I had a five and a one, which is six. You had a two and a three, which is five. So my total was more than yours. I won the seamanship contest. So all of my cannons hits which was, let's say it's the, the beginning of the game and we only have the sloops and the, the flutes. And so all my cannons is one, so I get one hit. However, in shooting, the loser also gets all of their, all of their skulls as hits. So in this case, I would get one hit and you would also get one hit. And so we would both have hit each other's ships. After you have a hit, uh, the player who is hit rolls a die for each hit to determine where it hits. These, the one through four, those are each specified locations. Um, I'm trying to see which is where. I got to look at a 
one of the charts, like one is crew and two is mass. So if, yeah, I've got it. Yeah, one is cargo, two is mass, three is crew, and four is cannons. It's on the uh, the player board. Yeah, so those you actually don't want the the specific locations because if any of those go to zero, that's going to be going to be bad for you. Um, the hull actually isn't one of those locations, if I'm correct, right? Mm-hmm. So if one of the things ever goes to zero, then you start getting damage to your hull. And when your hull goes to zero, um, you you lose, you're defeated, and life is bad for you. <clears throat> uh, so the, the numbers are specific locations, but when you roll to see where you get hit, if you roll the skull, then the victim who, who rolled that die actually gets to choose where they get hit, which is nice because you can take your your least vulnerable area. Um, you know, if you roll a couple um, specific numbers, then that's probably going to be worse for you. So in this case, we would both roll. You know, we both did one damage to each other. We're going to roll to see where it is. We're going to move our little cube back. If our cube can't go back any farther, then we're going to take a hit to our hull. Uh, if no one's hull got to zero, now we're going to repeat the process. Now it's the second round. We actually can choose. Whoever uh, initiated the attack it has to choose first, and their choices are shoot, board, or try to flee. Um, shooting is always the safest action because whether or not you you win or lose that that roll off, you always still get your skulls as hits. Um, board, in order to board the other person's ship, you actually have to win that roll off. And then you're going to go to like a separate mini battle. In order to flee, fleeing is very difficult to do because in order to successfully flee, you're going to declare that you flee. And then when the person does their roll off, they have to roll no skulls. If they roll skulls, then they're going to hit you with all their cannons because you tried to flee. Actually, they have to win the roll off. If they win the roll off, they're going to hit you with all their cannons. But you're going to get no hits because you tried to flee. If they have no skulls or crossbones, then you successfully fleed. As you know, since there's two skulls on there, that doesn't happen a whole lot. And so a lot of times when you try to flee, you just keep getting hit. And so flee is really sort of a desperation move. Um, so that's how the combat works. We declare what we're going to do. We choose. Most of the time, both players pick shoot, and then they roll. Um, whoever has the highest gets to hit with all their cannons. Regardless, both players get to hit at least with their skulls. You roll for where it hits, and then you repeat the process. If you have more crew than the other person, um, or if you have really good leadership, you're going to want to board them. You're especially going to want to board them if their crew gets to zero, because if a player's crew is zero, if you board them, then, you know, as you would think, you automatically win because they have no crew on board except you. You're left, you're left by yourself on the boat. They've boarded you, then you will lose. So that's a situation when you're going to want to board someone or some of the people might have special abilities or something for boarding. How boarding works, we have, you know, you declare you board, they declare they fire, you roll off. If you beat them in that roll off, meaning you have more skulls, then the naval combat is immediately done. And then we go to this crew combat mini game, which is really simple. All you do is you you roll your, your leadership, that number of die, uh, let's say it's two. So you both simultaneously roll that leadership number and you both, for every skull, they take a hit. And once someone's crew gets to zero, uh, the other person wins 
And if, if there's a tie, let's say both person's crew dies at the same time, whoever had the um, most hits then actually wins the battle. And so then, um, you know, winning, winning a battle in this game is, is very important because you get a victory point and you basically devastate the other player. Do you have any uh, questions about that whole combat process? It's kind of convoluted. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of uh, a lot of options, not individually complex, but just a lot of options. Uh, the uh, the boarding action, I, I presume, all of these actions that you described can be taken by either side. So a defender can board, for example, and 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 whatnot. Yes, <clears throat> yes, and the attacker can decide to flee if things go south for them. Oh, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. so either player can choose. The, you know, it's kind of an advantage because the attacker gets to decide first. So the defender gets to know. Um, if I was playing with new players, I would say, I would just tell them, don't worry so much about the choices. If, if you're worried about what to do, just shoot every time. Um, because right. fleeing is very risky. And when you have that roll off, you always get to at least hit with your, hit with your skulls. So in order to just see how the combat system works first, just shoot every time. Um, you know, unless someone's in real dire straits and they want to try to flee. I mean, fleeing is like a last ditch chance. You think you have absolutely no chance. And the, the only other time I would say you only try to board unless you like if their crew gets to zero. Now is a set time to say, all right, maybe I'm going to try to board because that's an automatic win. Um, other than, than that, with beginners, I would just say just shoot every time and don't worry so much about all the different choices that you have. Uh, because then it's real simple. I mean, if, if you just shoot every time, you're going to say, all right, we both shoot. We're going to roll the dice. Um, if if I beat you, I get to hit you with all my cannons. At the beginning of the game, that's just one, so that doesn't really matter. Um, and we just do damage to each other equal to the number of um, skulls. And then we roll to see where they're hit, and we do it over again. I mean, if you if you boil combat down to that for your players who are first starting it, and then maybe get into the the different options as you think, you know, you might suggest to them now you might want to try to board. Let's talk about how that works. The combat system is, is a little bit to figure out. Right. Um, the, the other couple other wrinkles that can happen. I mean, this is where that complexity, I mean, the basics of what you're doing, all right, I'm going to go to that ship and I'm going to try to raid them. All that stuff is pretty simple. I think the, the combat is one of the most complex parts, uh, because for thematic things, you've got all sorts of other special rules, for example, the special weapons, a player can choose to use those special weapons in order to target exactly where their damage goes. So after the person rolls the die, if you want it to hit in a certain spot, that's what two of those, um, those special weapons do. And the grappling hooks, you can use those um, to help you when you choose to board. The other thing is those glory cards. Some of them you can play in combat. They'll say, you know, when taking a shoot action, you get a bonus or something. If someone says, okay, I have a glory card I want to play, the timing of that is before the action happens, say before you're going to shoot, you, you tell the other player, I have a, a shooting action that I want to do. And then the other, other person says, uh, can look at their cards and say if they want to play one, two, because basically they, they get a chance to respond if they want to play one card, knowing that you're going to play a card, maybe they want to play a card, too, that pumps up how much damage they're going to do. And so that's how playing those those cards of combat work. Make sense? Kind yeah. of? 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I mean, that's my best suggestion is there's, there's a lot going on in the combat. I might just describe how the shooting works and then when a situation with maybe boarding and fleeing would occur or using those special weapons, I would maybe pop those in as, as you see it, maybe a situation that someone would want to do that and then right. get into that because the combat is, is I think maybe more complex than it needs to be, honestly. Uh, so you can have a, a player against a player. And you, you could also have a player against one of those NPC, the brown or black ships. And so those kind of move in sort of a program movement. So you have to know how those work. It's sort of like I think the last major piece, uh, the most important thing is those NPCs and how you die. And then maybe like last bits of strategy. So the NPCs, how those guys work, they come into play from event cards. An, uh, an event card will say, you know, put Captain Pierre in, you know, C-13, whatever C it is. And so you get one of the, the brown boats and you put, there's actually little cardboard French tokens and you put that under the ship. And so he's a French, he's a French naval ship and he wants to sort of seek out players who have French bounties against them and destroy them. And every time you draw another event card. Now there's little symbols on there that say, if you have a French, the French guy goes west. Or if you have a French, uh, the French guy goes north. So the future event cards, before you actually resolve the event, you have to see, all right, if there's boats on the board, where does this card tell me to move? So it's sort of a random movement that they do. And so you don't know where they're going to be. And so if you are a pirate with a French bounty, you're going to want to try to stay far away from them. What they do is they want to they want to scout for things and they will do that if a player moves into the sea zone where that that French naval ship is. The the French naval ship will immediately scout for them and if they find them, they will start a battle with them. And that works out the same way with um as you would the player looking for a merchant raid. You look at the captain's seamanship, someone rolls the dice for him to see if he finds them, and if he finds them, then you're immediately going to do a battle. Or if you start your turn in the same sea as the bad guy, then you're going to have a you're going to have a fight. Actually, they're going to have to scout for you first, and if they scout for you, then they're going to find you and they're going to fight you. And normally they start with like the big ships. And so if you're one of those little sloops and these big bad ships find you, then that's a that's really bad because <laughs> right. it's very likely that they're going to kill you. So when these guys show up, anybody with say that Captain Pierre shows up, anybody with a a French bounty should uh, should just try to stay as far away from them as possible and then on the flip side is the same sort of is the same sort of thing the pirate ships uh, sort of NPC pirates might show up and the pirates are going to look for the players with uh, the most gold. There's actually a priority list. First, they want to find the, the player with the most gold. Then they want to find the player with the most cargo. And then they'll just look for any merchant, anybody. And when they say non-pirate, they mean a player with, that has no bounties. Okay. So that's how those guys work. Um, I think that's the only time they they move. So the priorities is, is for what what people they scout for. They can share C-zones. Okay. So an NPC... Okay, this is important. I almost forgot about this part. So normally they move in that random direction. But if the player they're looking for, say Captain Pierre is looking for uh, a player with a, 
with a French bounty. And there is a pirate with a French bounty next to Captain Pierre or in the same zone as him. He'll ignore that random movement and say, I see you, I'm going after you and I'm going to scout you. So if, if uh, the Captain Pierre shows up, you want it, you can't be in the same zone and you don't want to be in an adjacent zone to him because otherwise he's going to find you. And especially early in the game, he'll, it's a very good chance that he might kill you. And when you have a fight with um, an NPC ship, you pick the person who looks like they most want to um, knock the person out. You pick another opponent to sort of play as them and roll their dice and make decisions for them. And that's that's and, those guys. And can they can they do things like board? They can do all the regular actions. Yep. The, the NPCs. Yeah. So the the player who's playing for them will have to make uh, the decisions as far as are we going to. Um, shoot or board and I would just give them the same advice just shoot every time unless you see their their crews at zero then you might want to board there's actually a rule against you're not allowed you're not allowed to have the NPC flee unless they have less cannons or crew and most of the time I mean come on you're playing with a you know your buddy who wants to destroy your ship he's not going to choose flee right he's going to choose shoot every time um, but there's actually a rule against fleeing unless it 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 is uh, makes sense because he has less cannons or crew than the person he's against. Got it. So yeah, that's how those NPCs work, and they are nasty. And I would really advise people playing the first time just just steer clear of them if you if uh, they are hunting after you. Try to stay as far away from them as they can as you can. Because if you die, it's really horrible. Let's talk about what happens uh, if you plunder someone and if you die. So if you defeat another player. Uh, you get to take all of their gold on board. You can take their glory cards. You can take basically all their cards, their cargo cards, their rumor, rumor card, though I think you can still only hold one rumor card, all their special weapons. You can decide to ditch your ship for their ship if they have a better ship, um, and any specialist cards. So basically all their cards, all their gold, their uh, special weapons, and you can take their ship if you want to. Um, also you get a bonus if you kill NPCs, if you kill a naval ship, let's say you kill Captain Pierre, you're going to get to draw some cargo cards, um, but you have to discard based on the damage to their cargo. If you kill a pirate, you get uh, bonus gold for doing that, and you also get bonus gold for defeating um, players with bounties. And so that can be tempting to someone if somebody has a bunch of, of bounties. When you take a new ship, you never get to take those square tokens, uh, the ship modifications, but you can take the round tokens. So if someone dies, they basically lose everything but the gold in their chest. So you lose the captain, you, you lose your cards, you lose your ship, you lose everything on the ship. You do lose all your bounties, of course, um, and but basically you're, you're starting totally fresh. You get a new captain and you get everything like you would uh, starting the game. The only exception is if you have more than 10 gold, including your stash, you don't get any gold. So you just, um, you're basically starting over. There's also an option called retirement. If you end up in a terrible situation, let's say your ship is, is just totally beat up and you've got no money and all your stuff is in your stash anyways, you can choose at the beginning of your turn in a port and say, my captain is retiring and start fresh with a new guy. Um, I would tell players that it's not uncommon that you will die at least once throughout the course of the game, um, especially with the NPCs. And so just be wary about like carrying too much stuff 
especially too much gold on your ship and don't get too attached to your ship because it's very likely that you will die at least once uh, over the course of the game. And stash your gold when you can. And stash your gold when you can. Don't carry, I would say don't carry, you know, when you get to 20, you know, that's two victory points. That's a fifth of the way to victory. If you have 20 or more gold, you should go either spend it or stash it. And you can only stash at your home. So, yeah, I mean, I've only played the game once, but that's just some of the advice I would give is just in combat, just shoot every time just till you figure out exactly what you're doing. Uh, Don't carry around too much gold and remind them to be flexible. Like if things are going, if they decide to start off being a pirate, um, but they... You know, things look good. There's a lot of goods in demand nearby. They might decide to buy the big merchant ship and just move over from being a pirate to being a merchant. Or if they're a pirate, remember, I mean, they could still buy goods and sell it. Just because you are a pirate, you can still do whatever whatever you think is going to score you the most points. Um, and, and just be aware, like, if there's a big... If there's a player who's very weakened in the middle of the sea with a bunch of gold, you should probably go kill them. You know, that's uh, that's the type of game this is. So just be open to whatever situations come up. I think that's one of the, the strengths of this game, and it's fun, is that you can kind of adapt. You know, if you're a pirate, you just don't have to go kill ships. You can also deliver goods and, and just be flexible on, on whatever comes up. Got it. And uh, I, I just had one question about um, scouting. Uh... So let's say there's somebody who's playing a pirate and who's kind of camping in your home base. You can, on your turn, still go in without having an encounter with that player, right? I mean, ultimately, they might chase after you, but you're not forced to encounter unless it sounds like it's one of these NPCs who who doesn't like you for some reason. Right, yes. Um, and that's that's kind of the funny thing is, like, if you go to a sea zone and the same person, you got to imagine, you know, it's thousands of miles of sea that they don't even, I mean, that's kind of the weird thing is they know you're there, but the captain on board doesn't know you're there. So they can choose to scout for you and attack you, but you can share the same sea zone. You can coexist there unless they decide to say, all right, I'm, we're going to do this. You've got 20 gold on board. And then on their turn, they'll scout, but you know, you could move through them and into a port they can only attack you in, you know, when you're at the open sea. So if you're worried about someone, you could, you know, sort of jolt past them into a port so you can go sell your goods and, and gear up with some special weapons or something. Got yeah. it. Well, I hope that was helpful. Yeah, absolutely. You feel like you, you feel like you have a good handle on it? I'm ready to go. I'm ready to play. Good. So there it was, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. Once again, if you're interested in contributing to the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund, jackvassal.org, I'd encourage you to do that. Thanks again to Tristan for his donation, and I hope this was useful to you. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. This has been Ryan Sturm of the How to Play Podcast. That wraps up this episode of How to Play, but be sure to visit us on our website, www.howtoplaypodcast.com, for all the How to Play resources, to discuss the show, to contact me, or to show your appreciation for the show with a PayPal donation. I count on your support to help keep How to Play growing. If you use and love the How to Play podcast, I need your help. Show your appreciation by making a donation, spread the word about the show, and just let me know what you think about the show there at the Guild. Thanks again to you, the How to Play listeners around the world. And until next time, I hope you will learn, teach, and play great games. The How to Play podcast is part of the Dice Tower Network, the premier board gaming media network, featuring Ludology, 
and the flagship podcast, The Dice Tower. Find out more at dicetowernetwork.com.